Bible listeners, we've got a special sponsor uh, for today's episode. It is AG1. AG1 has been something that I've really enjoyed using in my spare time. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole source food nutrients in one scoop that you can use into your water. You stir it up. I use it before my workouts, before I start my day, and it has totally given me the energy I need to do the little things in life, like going to work getting extra, you know, an extra boost, a second wind, if you will, for a workout before I play pickleball with my friends, just, it puts you in a good spirit of mind and you know, you're doing the healthiest possible thing by putting AG one in your body. Make sure to check us out and get a special deal with the Bruin Bible. It's www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get the special deal that we provide. Once again, www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get that special deal. Now, back to the Bruin Bible. What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Bruin Bible. So sorry on the delay. We like to try to get these up as soon as possible. I had my brother's wedding this weekend, but Madman, uh, a podcast well waited upon for this as UCLA upset the number 13 Washington State Cougars at the Rose Bowl this past weekend. What a glorious game it was for UCLA. Some highs out there, some lows out there. Maybe the first time I've ever said as a fan of UCLA, you know, in the last decade or so, that we're a defensive team first and foremost. I mean, that's the identity this team has taken. So much good, so much bad. But I want to start off on a high note. And the game that I'm going to dub forever the Keegan Jones game, a guy that had been forgotten about, we hadn't seen him much in the first four games. Wayne brought him up on our ESPN radio show this week going, when's Keegan going to come out there? We haven't seen him. Can he at least get some screen passes? Three carries, 45 yards, had a 13-yard touchdown to put us up 18-17, to 17, and then had the game-sealing touchdown on a 22-yard scamper to the inside. Three carries, 45 yards. Didn't touch it a lot, but boy, were those touches huge for UCLA and he's the reason we actually got the game done. Keegan Jones, man, before we get to the defense, before we get to Dante, before we get to the wide receivers, we got to shout out Keegan Jones. What did his performance mean to UCLA this past weekend? Oh, Will, it was huge. But first of all, I want to congratulate you, Will, and, and the whole Decker family on, you know, the reason we, we didn't record yesterday instead of today is your your brother's wedding and, and marriage. And so congratulations to you and your family on uh, what a momentous occasion this is. And while you were enjoying the, the wedding, Will, rightfully so, I was, uh, you know, fortunate enough to be at the game at, at the Chancellor's Box and had an opportunity to, to really watch things up close and personal with, with he, with, with Athletic Director Martin Jarman, with some others that I'm sure we'll get into here. And, Will, it's so interesting how this game played out vis-a-vis -vis Keegan Jones because – we talked about this last week in terms of the run game and order matters, if you recall. And we said there's got to be a thunder and lightning type of equation here, particularly against an undersized 
front seven of Washington State and really felt like this was going to be a game where Carson Steele was going to be that thumper to really wear down this Washington State defense for then ultimately what we thought would be T.J. Harden making the big gash runs to open up this game. And in reality, it went all according to script with the 30 carries, 140 yards for Carson Steele and really just invoking his will and presence uh, physically on this front seven. It wasn't necessarily big runs, but he was sort of wearing them down. It was like Rocky Balboa body blows against Ivan Drago with that Washington (laughs) State front seven. And then it opened the door for Keegan Jones. And Will, you said it best. The three carries, the 45 yards, the two touchdowns. The two touchdowns look like mirror images of one another. That 13-yarder and that 22-yarder inside zone, uh, you know, uh, down the left side of the line. And he just outran that Washington State linebacking group, got great angles on the secondary. And it just looked like a team that had taken the punishment of steel and then just could not keep up with the world-class speed and athleticism of Keegan Jones. And I think, Will... That first run of his, the one non-touchdown run that that he had, if you recall, about 26 seconds to go in the third quarter. It was the first time he got the ball, and we were all surprised, and he had a beautiful 9-10 yard run there to really sort of give UCLA's run game a different speed, a different directionality. And then there was the stoppage of play to see whether he had fumbled or not. And he clearly was down. It was the right call. But that stall of the action also allowed then Chip to change the pace of the game and run two more plays right before the end of the third quarter when UCLA was still a little shaky on the scoreboard down 17-12. So Keegan's, even his non-touchdown run, really was the impetus for this comeback. Three huge runs. Hopefully now we see more of Keegan Jones as really being that home run guy. If it's not necessarily going to be hardened, it can be home run by committee. Steele wears them down. And then Jones and Harden hits the home run. But I'm so happy for Keegan Jones, Will, to your point. Having such a big game. This is one of the biggest wins in UCLA football the last three or four years. This is kind of right up there with that LSU game from a couple of years ago. Keegan played such a big role last year on this team, complimenting Zach Charbonnet. In the spring, he moves positions. He's in that slot receiver area doesn't really have a role he's trying to be a rover he's not really getting a lot of love in special teams in the return game uh in in lieu of a yank off for instance but he stays with it he stays prepared what a high character guy what a high integrity guy keegan jones is and now when his number is called the two biggest touchdowns of the season for keegan jones and this ucla bruins what a phenomenal story could not be happier for that young man could not be happier. We like the first game ball has to go to Keegan Jones. No question. He was doing. And folks, if it sounds like Madman doesn't watch games like the rest of us, it's because it's true, man. This guy is in the Chancellor's box. He's hanging with Jarman. He's doing all the cool things, bro. This guy is going to be at the Super Bowl in a couple of years next to Beyonce and Taylor Swift. I just hope I get an invite, bro. Oh my God! Well, first of all, you're going to be right there with me if that happens. <laughs> so uh, you know, this is your. I love how you're talking in the third person. It's the collective we will. You know that we're one entity here when it comes to UCLA football. Oh man, you know it. You know it, brother. I just had to get some teasing in. It's such a cool thing that you got to do with that, brother. But you made some phenomenal points, man. And it's Carson Steele. This guy absolutely wore down the Washington State defense. 30 carries. You rarely see that anymore at the college or pro level. 140 yards. His longest run was 13 yards. So he was just chewing them up for those six to seven 
eight-yard gains. And, boy, the run he had in the fourth quarter to get that first down when he's dragging like three or four guys, really reminiscent of Beast Mode. He was just like, is he going to get this first? Oh, he's going to continue. He's going to get extra yards after this? It was a, such a joy to watch that. And I got to say, I was, you know, you know me. I was a Harden guy. I was very pro-Harden. I love Steele, obviously. I thought Harden was kind of going to be running back 1A for this team, if you will, to Carson Steele's 1B. This game and doing this in a, in a ranked, uh, you know, environment allows me to put Carson Steele maybe at the top of the list. Let's, uh, let's expound a little bit more on what you saw from him and how tough he is to bring down in the run game. What else did you see from Steele? So tough, Will. And just for some historical context here, I mean, the 30 carries is the most carries by UCLA back since the 40 carries that Joshua Kelly had in the 2018 Victory Bell game. So when you yeah. talk about riding one individual to victory, it was so significant because it was the classic win by attrition type of game plan. Even though most of the runs were three, four yards, he was getting piled on top of people. He was dishing out the punishment and it did a couple of things. One is it kept the time of possession in UCLA's favor. Second, it really stabilized the offense and kept Dante calm and that passing game calm, knowing that if they got three yards a couple of times, it was at least going to be kind of a third and four situation, third and manageable to then be able to bring some of the other weapons that I'm sure we'll be talking about later. And then third, obviously, it wore down that defense to then be able to open up the home run play uh, in, in the fourth quarter. So Steele did some phenomenal things. I think what I really enjoyed about his running approach this game, as opposed to the first four, I think he's starting to become very self-aware about what he's really good at. And if you notice, Steele was trying to get to the edge a lot in the first four games. And you and I have talked about this, Will, since spring, where I wasn't sure if Steele just has the foot speed to get to the outside and set that edge in a Pac-12 conference. And I think something went off in his head during the bye week. He saw the film and said, you know what? I don't think I'm really cut out to be sort of running to the outside and setting the edge. Look, if the blocks kind of take me there, if my instincts take me there, I'll go there. But it's not necessarily going to be my main focus when I carry the ball. He focused so much inside the hash marks. He was an inside runner all the way through. It was north and south at its finest. And he never really went down with the first tackler. It was always the second and third tackler it took to bring him down. What an incredibly collective effort of, of 30 carries and the stamina that he had. Will, you talk about that finishing run in the fourth quarter. It absolutely sealed the game where he dragged four or five defenders for that first down. That was his 30th carry of the game. I mean, can you imagine most college kids get 30 carries over a three-game period? And he did it all in one game and still showed the endurance. So. I really love what I'm seeing here with Carson Steele. I think an identity is starting to form where this team is going to play great defense and they're going to run the ball with Carson Steele and then allow that to open up the big play later in the game. And that's an identity. It's a throwback identity to 90s, 2000s, 80s, kind of Big Ten, Big 12 football, old school you know, smash mouth football. But I tell you what, Will, that's the kind of stuff that travels that travels in hostile environments against elite teams on the road. This UCLA team is flying under the radar, and my goodness, they are for real. My goodness, are they for real? We're back in the top 25, baby. Number 18, 
Uh, we got a game with number 15, Oregon State, this coming weekend. So stay tuned for that this week. we got the game preview coming your guys' way. Everything here at LAFB. Let's touch on it, man. It's time. We got to talk about the defense and how special it is for UCLA right now. And, I mean, I'm going to pivot a question that I asked Wayne on our ESPN radio show this past week. Layatu Lati. I mean, in terms of tone setting, I don't know if I've seen a guy like this at UCLA where, you know, Dante throws the early, you know, interception on kind of a lob pass. Washington State's moving the football down the field. They're in the red zone at this point. And on Latu, on first and second down, first and goal, gets a sack on the first play, sacking Cam Ward, relentless. It was like one of those long plays where nobody was open and Ward's kind of extending it. Latu gets the quarterback. And then he punches the ball out on the next play to get the ball back for UCLA. I'm watching the the film just going, how is this guy not being talked about more? He's starting to get it. You know, he's PFF's highest graded edge rusher in the country right now. He's been talked about as a top 10 player. Madman, I am in love with this dude. The way I've been in love with Greg Dulcich and Zach Charbonnet before this. Is this guy one of the most special players you've seen in a UCLA jersey? Because it certainly feels like it for somebody like myself. He is, Will. He is. And I love that you specified those two plays in particular at the start of the game because of A, what they represented, and B, what it took to be able to make that play. The fact that he was able to chase Cam Ward down for seven, eight seconds, and Ward, Will, is a very unorthodox scrambler. Usually, a quarterback, when they're feeling the scramble, they're going to retreat and roll to their strong side. Okay, whether they're left, they're going to roll to the left. Or if they're right-handed, they're going to roll to the right. Ward does a lot of north and south stuff, if you notice. He'll step up into the pocket. He'll, he'll step back. He'll even kind of go around. He'll make kind of a semicircle and kind of go around. And so he's always trying to find that hole and then kind of reset his arm angle, set his feet, and make a throw. So for Latu to be able to stay at home, have the athleticism and the gap integrity and the motor to be able to get him in that in that situation after that Dante Moore interception was absolutely phenomenal. Will, it's a play he doesn't make last year. You and I talked a lot about Latu being kind of a more of a straight line rusher last year. He has added so much agility to his game this year laterally, east-west, that it's absolutely significant. And then to follow that up, two plays later and be able to sort of retreat down the field. Okay. In pass coverage and then be able to knock the ball out from the blind side and really set, set the momentum for UCLA defensively was absolutely significant. And this team feeds off of him. Will he is that barometer in that first quarter, that first six, eight minutes, because you can feel this group as, as a defense, they, they feel the burden. They understand this is a young offense. They're going to find themselves. It's going to be some ups and downs. They have to take it upon themselves to set the tone and be the leaders of this team. And oftentimes you can feel that, that nervousness and that tension. Latu setting the tone the first six, seven minutes of the game. And then the Murphy twins get their confidence. Yeah. And then oh Toya God. and Keanu gets his confidence. And Smith. And then it, it goes back into the secondary. And then a guy like Oladijo follows suit. Obviously, Moasel being such a stud. So it's not just what he does statistically on the field, Will, but it's also what his play means for everybody else. Nobody, Will, on Saturday had more than four tackles, if you can believe that. No one had more than four tackles. This team had three sacks, six tackles for loss. 
I mean, relatively pedestrian numbers for this defense, but they were everywhere. They completely shut down Washington State. Washington State had one drive in that game. The defense gave up essentially seven points in that game. It was the second, the third quarter drive. That was it. The first 10 points were all off of turnovers. And this was just a very, very significant performance. Latu is the captain of this team. He's the MVP, the heart and the soul. Yeah, man. And it's more impressive when we talk about how good Cam Ward was being talked oh, yes. about in this game. I mean, we're talking about a legitimate Heisman candidate was top three on a lot of people's boards. This was the number two passing offense in the country coming into this game. And we held them to 197 yards. For reference, they were averaging about 407 yards passing per game. So that shows you how different this UCLA defense is. I put, you know, a bounty on the defense going, hey, secondary, it's time to show up. It's time to play. And boy, did they deliver. Our guy Alex Johnson with a big interception. Ola Deja with a huge one. Four forced turnovers, six tackles for a loss, three sacks. Defense was everywhere, man. And I just want to give a huge shout-out to what DeAnton Land, Ken Norton Jr., and this whole defense is building because it is looking special to start the year. And is it the best in the Pac-12? I would have to say we are through five games. I don't think there's any question about it, Will. It's the best in the Pac-12 for a couple of reasons. Number one, just look at the performance on the field. You look at just even the scoring defense here. You look at Coastal Carolina was 13 points. You look at San Diego uh, San Diego State, it was 10 points. You look at uh, North Carolina Central, it was 7 points. You look at Utah, it was 14 points. Let's call it 7. And then you look this week was 17 points. Let's call it 7. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely a significant achievement. And the fact that they had to play two top 15 teams, one at home, one on the road. And Will, a couple things I'll just touch on. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal how they played. Cam Ward was only 19 of 39 in this game, sub 50%. He was sub 200 yards. He had the two interceptions, one by obviously Alex Johnson, the other one by Oladijo. He was hounded constantly. Absolutely, there was not a clean pocket for him. There were not two consecutive clean pockets for him the whole game. He was running for his life the whole game. There was no rhythm. You could tell the receivers were also getting jittery because we talk about the four turnovers, the two fumbles and the two interceptions. There were another two fumbles that Washington State recovered because you could tell the receivers were trying to do too much because they said in the rare instance that we actually complete a pass, we have to maximize this play as much as possible because the opportunities are so few and far between. So they were stretching and diving and being in very compromising situations just to get extra yardage. The amount of strain this defense has put on opposing teams is absolutely significant. And DeAnton Lynn has to get so much credit here, Will, because he is bringing NFL concepts to the college game. He is disguising pressure. He is using different looks and formations. Uh, not, pressure is coming from different vantage points. They're also coming at different times. UCLA has done a significantly terrific job in the delayed blitz game, Will, which is something that is just such an advanced NFL concept. And then when you look at where linebackers are roaming right now between Moasau, between Oladijo, you know, you just don't know where it's coming from. So he's really bringing pro-style looks to a college environment, and teams are struggling to catch up. And it's one thing to have the scheme, and now with the scheme, UCLA has the players. This is the best defense in the Pac-12. It's going to be between UCLA and Oregon, for my money in the end, who's going to be the best. But these are the two best defenses west of the Mississippi, and a defense can take you very, very far 
in this sport. So funny because last year we lead the Pac-12 in rushing. We're top 10 in that. It's more of your Chip Kelly typical identity team. This year it seemed to completely flip. It's like we've never had a defense like this with Chip Kelly. Maybe even back to his Oregon days, he's never had a defense like this without talented. It is so, so much fun on that. Let's talk about Dante Moore. And I want to preface this. I believe he's the best quarterback on the roster. He deserves to be out there. Some critical mistakes he's been making. Um, you know, the interceptions in the red zone have to stop. That pick six was very huge. I didn't know if we were going to be able to respond to that. First drive of the game interception. He's getting some jitters out. You know, this is a big step forward to be playing college football. But I do want to say, man, the throws that he was able to complete on some of these plays, the 29-yarder to Montevallo. You know, the big play completion to Sturdivant, at 29 yards near the sideline in the second half. I'm like, how do you even make that throw? That's a beautiful pass. You know, we also had the Carson Ryan throw on the first touchdown drive where he hit him on the sideline. The flashes are there. And I think the more comfortable he gets, UCLA fans are just going to love even more what he's going to bring to the table. Talk to me about your, you know, uh, interpretation of what Dante's performance was and give it a grade from A to F on what he brought to the table on Saturday. Yeah, well, obviously we're watching an 18-year-old prodigy right before our very eyes. Uh, Chancellor Block called it on-the-job training. And <laughs> so, you know, when, when he described Dante Moore, there's nothing like on-the-job training, he, he said. And, and I think that was so true. Look, there was, there was some negative plays. Obviously, the interception on the first drive where he locked his eyes, it looked very similar to Utah just in terms of how he sort of just locked into his one receiver got intercepted then obviously at the very end of the first half with the red zone situation on the rollout didn't put enough air on on that ball on the flat 88 yards back to the house and for a time will that made it 10-9 Washington State and then when Washington State got their one offensive touchdown 17-12 and then UCLA missed the field goal subsequently you said man are, is Washington State going to be able to hang on and win this game despite being outgained 480 to 216 are they going to be able to steal this game and so there were some negatives there. Also, we, I think things need to tighten up with Dante in terms of the command of the pocket, especially when the field shrinks as well. If you recall, Will, five, their first five red zone possessions, only six points. So left a lot on the table there, not just with the interceptions, but just overall execution. So there, there's things to work on there. But what I really liked what Dante did, and I think credit goes to Chip Kelly as well, we were talking a lot, Will, last week about the need to go into more max protection schemes and the need to get the tight ends more involved. And message received there, when you talk about the aforementioned Mataval, when you talk about Carson Ryan, when you talk about Hudson Habermel, that those three combined for six catches for 160 yards. The bulk of the passing attack came from the tight ends. And so what we're seeing now is tighter formations on offense, much more reminiscent to 2021 and 2022. And we're simplifying the offense here where it's a one or two read type of system. And really where Dante's kind of looking right now, he's looking for the tight end first and foremost. And then if that's not there, he's kind of looking at J Mike on the outside or, and then Loya on an underneath crosser. The, the, the game plan has become very simplified and as a result of that, we're seeing his great balls, those intermediate out routes, Will, down the sideline to, to Sturdivant, to Ryan. The, all the throws are there. It's just a matter of him now, the game needing to slow down for him. The other piece of it is, and we have to accept this, 
he has not grown into his body just yet. And as a result of that, he's nowhere near the athlete that DTR was. So there's an opportunity here for teams to really bring pressure and be able to get to him. And even when you're running kind of a zone read concept, most defenses are just crashing to steal because he has yet to keep the ball. He's yet to sort of keep it on the quarterback keeper. So I think there's some work there where he can get a little bit more comfortable in terms of the pocket presence and being able to roll out by a little bit more time. But I really also liked what I saw in terms of simplification of the offense, more max protect schemes, and more reliance on the tight end. So there was some good, there was some bad, uh, there was some ugly. But I will say one thing, Will, when the game was on the line, this young kid delivered. And there were two instances there, both in the fourth quarter. The 17-12 situation, we talked about the Keegan Jones run, start of the fourth quarter. There was a fourth and six, Will, on that drive with 13 and a half minutes to go. Dante, it was a crowded pocket. He went through his progressions, found Cam uh, Cam Brown underneath, on that underneath uh, out route there, and Cam Brown got 12 yards. He went through his progressions and found the check down. That was the thing we were looking for in that Utah game that we never saw. He delivered there, and then that led to the first Keegan Jones touchdown, and then the very next drive, up 18-17, there was a third and six. And he went through his progressions. Nothing was there. And he scrambled ahead for eight yards, dove for that first down. Both those drives ended up in touchdowns. And that's what enabled UCLA to ultimately hang on. So there was some negatives. There were some positives. But he came up big when he had to. I think overall, Will, for me, is about a B minus C plus. There's so much more room to grow here. But he's getting the on-the-job training. He's getting the odd the job training. And, I mean, I would say to, you know, UCLA fans, just be patient with our guy. He's played four and a half games, if you will, coming into next week. And defenses, you know, in the Pac-12 and teams in general, better pray this guy doesn't get back to form than when we first saw him out there because the defense is humming like it is and more gets back to playing like he was. This team's going to the Pac-12 championship. I have no doubt in my mind about our guy Dante Moore. One of the things you brought up in the last week was how Dante needs to find a security blanket, somebody he can kind of dump the ball off to. And maybe we got a little bit of a glimpse to that with Logan Loya. Six catches led the team this week, 46 yards, your classic Julian Edelman stat line, and a touchdown as well. Talk to me about Loya. This is a guy that I've had for years as a breakout candidate. It seems like his time's finally coming in Westwood. Yes, Will. I think, you know, you, you've been aching for Logan Loya, and I think the ache, ache you shall no more, okay? <laughs> you know, it is, it is definitely Logan Loya's time. There seems to be a tremendous amount of chemistry built, Will, between uh, Moore and Loya. And I'll say one thing. Part of the challenge of having a mediocre offensive line and needing to go to more max protect schemes is you got to simplify the offense. It's shorter, fewer reads and shorter throws. And so even though a guy like J. Michael Sturdivant is the best athlete on this team, the best receiver on this team, and gets separation at will, because his routes are longer and they take significantly longer to develop, sometimes there's just not enough time to get him the ball given where the offensive line is. And so I think for J. Mike, he's going to have a couple games that are really big games, but there's going to be a lot of games where it's kind of just three for 45, three for 50, not because he's not getting open, not because he's not doing anything exceptional, but it's also a product of the offensive line. And so now when you flip that, when you got to get the ball out, you got to go one, two reads, and more is, is sort of 
kind of an inside-out vision Moore has. He kind of looks at the middle of the field and then looks to the outside, which really is uh, preferential for sort of tight end routes. When he's thinking about that, that's his first option. If that's not there, he's looking for those underneath crossers, those underneath out routes, and that's where Loya comes in. So I think that we're potentially going to see a world here where Logan Loya is going to lead this team in receptions and could very well even will lead this team in yards, just given kind of usage rate uh, from time to time. I think J. Mike is going to have some very big games down the stretch, one or two kind of 130 to 150-yard games. But week over week, I just love how Loya is finding a way to get open. And I think he has this unique combination as a slot receiver, Will, where he understands the game. He finds soft spots in zone and in man coverage. He's got really good footwork. But then he's also got top-end speed. And that's just so rare to find from kind of more of a traditional slot receiver. So he's putting it all together. And I think just the camaraderie with Dante, I think Loya is here to stay. You have been aching for Logan Loya for a few years. I have been aching for Kyle Ford for a few weeks. But I think it is pretty unanimous at this point that this offense is going to be going through Loya, J. Mike, and the tight ends from a passing game standpoint. Couldn't be happier for Loya, another guy who stayed in the program, found his time, you know, worked hard, and now here he is. Yeah, and was a four-star prospect when he stepped foot on Westwood's campus. So, I mean, this guy's talented. He just needs Absolutely. an opportunity to kind of work out. Well, last point, and I hate to end on a such a sour note because we upset Washington State. We're back in the top 25. Defense is looking great. Everything's feeling good. Offensive line, even with the max protection, struggled. And I want to emphasize this point. UCLA's off, uh, defensive line looked dominant. Three sacks, six tackles for a loss, a ton of pressures off the edge. Washington State actually had the more impressive statistical performance with an undersized defensive line that I would say is to the middle middle of the pack to the bottom of the pack 12 when it comes to D-lines. They had four sacks, nine tackles for a loss. What does this unit need to do to get better? Because we can get by in games like Washington State, but what I'm really worried about is when we have to go against an elite defensive line like we did against Utah where it's going to be pressure in your face on any, any given play. What do we do? I mean, because I am at a point where this season is going to come down to the offensive line and how they respond to this criticism that we're giving them right now. Will, it's such a great point. And I think we have to be fair in terms of our assessment. And when you you can look at it one of two ways with Steele's performance, right? The Iron Man 30 carries. But then if you look at it from another lens and you say over 30 carries, he really only had 4.7 yards per carry in a college game against an undersized front seven. Yeah. It was really hard for UCLA to move the ball, so much so that, unfortunately, it's it's easy to sort of look back on this now with the win. The crowd, the, the boobirds were starting to come out at the after that second drive in the third quarter where it was back-to-back three and outs and back-to-back punts, and everyone was very concerned about what was going to happen moving forward. And it just shows that this offensive line has yet to get into any sort of A, rhythm, but B, Will, I think sometimes, you know, we talk a lot about the Jimmys and the Joes on the outside. I just don't know if we have enough Jimmys and Joes on the, in, in, this, in this offensive line, and sometimes you sort of have to accept that, that I don't know if this journey that we keep talking with the offensive line that happened last year, I still think they're going to have a journey, they're going to improve, but I don't know if we're going to see that radical improvement this year like we did last year. And so what do we have to do about that? Short of these guys gaining weight, short of these guys working on their technique, 
short of these guys really living in the film room, which they all are. They're very committed, great young men. I think this is where it comes down to Chip Kelly's going to have to help this offensive line. And the way he's going to have to help this offensive line is the way he's doing it. It's to stay balanced, make sure that you keep running the football and stay true to that, even when you're only getting two yards and three yards, but staying true to it. So these defensive lines and these these opposing front sevens don't just pin their ears and come, you know, because that's really going to put the offensive line in a very compromising situation. So for Bruin fans, when you're getting frustrated that we're only getting two yards of carry, three yards of carry, understand it's part of a bigger picture. Because if he just allows Dante to go back for 55 attempts a game, these front sevens are going to just pin their ears back, and it is going to be a lot of pain for this 18-year-old young man. So one thing is to stay balanced. Second is exactly what he's doing, short throws, small reads. You know, get the ball out quickly, short plays, and limit the number of reads that you have to do. And then the third thing, Will, is he's going to have to invoke some misdirection and really kind of use the pressure that's coming against those defenses and invoke some reverses. And he kind of did that in terms of change of pace, bringing Keegan Jones in the game as well, because what worked against Steele didn't work against Keegan Jones. So changing up direction, changing up rhythm of the offense is going to really be key here because at the end of the day, we're about halfway through the season. So asking these kids to gain this weight and gain this technique, I think is going to be a tall order. So this is where they're just going to have to be more mindful offensively and really treat it as a four-quarter game. And this is not going to be that big play offense that it was last year and two years ago. It's going to be a much more methodical team. It's going to be a team that's going to use field position. It's going to be a team that uses special teams in all three phases of the game to sort of set up their offense for shorter fields and, and be able to really kind of win that field position battle, punt more, be more mindful, understand they've got a great defense, and, and play a more game of attrition. So I see a lot more games, Will, like the Washington State game, mid-20s to mid-teens kind of games uh, to be able to manage this moving forward. And we may have one coming up this weekend, the big Oregon State game, folks. Tell us where to watch the game at. I'm going to be watching out in the Westwood area. So, guys, let me know where to watch it at. We can maybe even do a watch party if we can organize something quickly enough. Keep us in the loop, man. But, Madman, always great having you on here recapping UCLA stuff. And we look forward to another big season from UCLA football especially getting back on track with the Washington State victory. Bruin Bible, we are officially out. Stay tuned. We're going to have an Oregon State reporter of some sorts on this week to preview this weekend's game against the Bruin or the Beavers. Take it easy.